Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome back to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler. And for this week's episode, I sat down with Steve Pollock, Head of Media Communications at Nestle UK and Ireland, to talk about his fight to tackle climate change within and beyond his role at Nestle. It's clear right from the off just how much Steve cares about sustainability and media as a force for good. We talk about generation regeneration, which encompasses Nestle's actions and commitments on climate change, get into which companies he thinks are getting it right and are having the biggest impact. Plus, with COP26 happening in just over a week, where Steve's levels of optimism are at with what meaningful change could come out of it. We talk carbon calculators, ad net zero, and I make a total dog's dinner of trying to say the word unequivocable. There, I did it. But I started by asking Steve why the climate emergency is so important to him. It's something that really hit home to me a couple of years ago, actually. Um, And, you know, you just have to be a reasonably intelligent and inquisitive person to look at the state of the planet um, and see what's going on and look at the science and, you know, I've got two adult children, so from a personal perspective, I wonder what kind of planet we're going to be lead, leaving for them mm. and their children and so on, and everyone else's children. Um, and that's what kind of sparked my interest in it, I suppose. Um, so you might remember when we worked together back mm. in the day, I, I used to have an international role. Yeah. And I spent the best part of 15 years flying <laughs> around the world. <laughs> Um, and back then, no one ever really thought about offsetting. Um, you know, it just, it wasn't in the vocabulary. And it was the very, very early days of, you know, people talking about global warming, as we yeah. used to call it. Um, and I just wonder, you know, how much CO2 I've personally been responsible for during my business career mm. and 40 years of driving. And, um, you know, I'm a one-man doomsday machine. <laughs> and I think a lot of us are in that boat. <laughs> Um, So this kind of reality hit me Mm. and I thought, well, uh, you know, I've been in the business a long time. What can I do about it? Um, You know, whilst I've still got a a, a little bit of power and influence whilst Mm. I'm at Nestle, um, I thought, well, you know, maybe I can see how how I can make amends, even if it's only in in a small way. And I just started diving into it and I've learned loads of stuff over the last couple of years, Mm. loads of really interesting stuff. I've done, you know, taken a course, done some studying. Um, and I, I think the, the the real thing is for me, you know, if everyone makes small changes, yeah. we'll end up with a big change. Yeah, and, and that's the really important thing. So I'm just doing my part, and everyone needs to do their part. Absolutely, and it um, often when you you know you have conversations with experts, or as you say, done courses, the more you get into it, that, that there is a danger that you almost feel crippled. And well, what possible difference could I make personally? You know, I could buy an electric vehicle I could change energy supply I could yeah. convince my employees to do something but but you're absolutely right the cumulative effect of the of everyone doing a little something will result in something big um how do you come across people at um Nestle people you work with you know p- people you talk with like you said it it doesn't take much to go and seek out this stuff to find out for yourself that the science is equivocal and it's it's all out there but what sort of reaction do you get when you talk to people about it 
Do you know what? It's it is the absolute best part of my job. Mm. Um, you know, maybe if we'd been having this conversation five or ten years ago, I would have given you a different answer. Um, but you know, I've been in media a long time, and we all know what media is like. It can be a little bit confrontational at times. It can be a little bit difficult at times. Mm. That's the nature of the beast. Um, but you know, it's a fun career. But you know, whenever I have a conversation with someone, either internally or externally, about sustainability or about being a force for good, mm. um, and for me, they're two slightly different things that right. overlap, but but they're not the same thing. Um, it's just positive. I've, I've never ever had a negative conversation that I can yeah. recall. Um, you know, maybe we're lucky the industry that we're in. Maybe the people I mix with, I don't know, <laughs> but. Everyone is just so positive about wanting to, for their companies to do something, yeah. for them to do something personally, and you know if they if there's an opportunity to do something with a company like Nestle, mm. it's, it's just a win for everyone. So yeah. honestly, it's just positive conversation after positive conversation. It's brilliant. It doesn't always mean that you, that you get to a good solution. Sometimes things don't work out. Yeah. Yeah. But just having those positive conversations. More and more is making things happen, which is just brilliant. And we should talk a bit about Nestle as a massive company, the world's biggest food and beverage yeah. company, and um, by no means straightforward for them in terms of what they did. Because you yeah. know, beyond your role in media, there's so much stuff, logistics, supply chain. But yeah. um, uh, your UK CEO has been very, very vocal, particularly in the lead up to um, um, to what's coming up with COP26. But to tell us a bit about um, Nestle's commitment to you know what they're changing and, and the plan that you have. Yeah, you, this is the brilliant thing I think about Nestle, and I'm sure other companies as well. I can only obviously talk about Nestle. Um, I, I participate internally in um, a training program that we've got, marketing as a force for good, and I run one of the chapters, media as a force for good. Um, so, and when I'm running that internal training session. What I say to to my colleagues is, our leaders um, don't just uh, want us to act; they expect us to act. There's mm. a big difference, mm. and I think having this leadership from the top is absolutely critical. Um, I think you could you could have a company full of people with good intentions, but if you've got senior leaders going, "Oh, well, it's going to cost us money." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's going to distract us from the day job. Mm. Um, it makes it much, much harder. And that's, you know, it couldn't be more opposite within Nestle. Um, we started, I think, over over um, over 10 years ago with an approach called creating shared value. Right. And that was very much around, as it says, creating shared values and, and recognizing that, you know, the, the people who grow the coffee beans, the people who grow the cocoa, et cetera, et cetera, are really important to us and, mm. and we're really important to them. And, and it's not just about creating value for Nestle and Nestle shareholders, but it's about creating value for mm. those people as well so that they can prosper and they can have good lives and, and they can live in a nice environment. So we have this approach called creating shared value, which has been embedded in the company, as I say, for over 10 years, and it's kind of like part of the DNA now. So as gradually um, we've come... We've got our carbon net zero plan, um, our, our um, generation regeneration plan. Yeah. They're not coming into the business, you know, cold. 
they're coming in, people, I think, see it as a natural development. You know, why wouldn't we have a carbon net zero plan? You know, why wouldn't we talk about regenerative farming? It's just another step on that road that we started when we started talking about creating shared value. So having that senior leadership permeates all the way down. Yeah. And as I say, it's not just giving us permission to act, it's expecting us to act. So, you know, I say to people that they've created the playing field for us, a fabulous playing field, <laughs> and given us all the equipment, and now it's up to us to, to use it and to go out there and, and really play the game, And which is what all my colleagues are doing. So, you know, there's some, some amazing stuff going on. Talk to us about this different. You, you mentioned it. Um, you mentioned earlier the difference between sustainability and, and a force for yeah. good. You talked about the the module, the the media for good that you do uh, that, that you do internally. What, what's yeah. what is the difference in your mind? Well, for me, I'm, I'm purely from a, a media perspective. Um, so, um, being a force for good is um, working with partners and platforms trying to do some good in the world um, it's being members of GAM at a global level Global Alliance for Responsible Media um, it's becoming members of Net Zero yep. um, in the UK that kind of thing So, uh, and it's you know, obviously excluding bad actors which we would do anyway because yes. that's we've always been like that but putting more of an emphasis and more of a focus on um, businesses and companies that are doing good things. And there's a, you know, I've got a couple of examples that, that spring to mind, mm. which I can happily talk about. So that's, that's being the force for good. The sustainable media, this is more for me around, I, I, as a shorthand, I call it green media plans, mm. but it, it could be anything from applying a carbon calculator to our media plans, which we're starting to do. And next year, all of our plans will, will have a carbon calculator Amazing. applied to them. Um, and then that opens up possibilities because, um, and, you know, a lot of what I talk about, here's the thing, no one knows everything in this space. We're all <laughs> learning as we go along. Yeah. So if I was to come here and say, I've got all the answers online, you know, I haven't. But what I really try and do and when I'm doing the internal training and when I'm talking externally is really try to inspire people mm. and use good examples of internally and externally as well um, to inspire people. And then when you can inspire people, they'll do great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, a carbon calculator is, is a brilliant example because if, you know, a lot of people don't even think that... Um, you know, that even running online advertising, you're generating carbon, yeah. you know, all the electricity that's yeah, being used mm. to, to run the ads and so on. Um, all, all media that we use is, is generating CO2 somehow. So the only way that's going to be zero is if you stop advertising, which <laughs> clearly we don't want to do. Mm. So then you, you run a carbon calculator and then it gives you options. You can um, look at the media plan and see if you can fine tune it. Um, towards more carbon friendly channels but obviously you know you've it's a business you can never lose sight of the fact that it's a business yeah and you know when it's you know we're in business to make money everyone is um, as well as all the other great things that we've been talking about um, and then you can offset and um, you know people who, who, who don't don't know a lot about it and why should they 
you kind of instinctively feel oh, offsetting that's going to be really expensive <laughs> it's actually not it's actually an infinitesimal cost compared to the cost of the media mm. um and as i put it in my old-fashioned way you know we we ran a test on one of our kitkat campaigns how much co2 had been generated the cost of offset offsetting it and you know my old-fashioned analogy it was the cost of one daytime spot on itv you know wow. that's how much you needed to spend yeah. to offset the campaign yeah so and when you when you talk to people like that, they do get inspired. And then when you show people fabulous examples, I mean, I think Volkswagen are doing amazing work, you know, with yeah. their electric vehicles yeah, and yeah. you know the poster sites that use Mars to suck up carbon yeah, 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 and obviously yeah. are powered by yeah. wind and so on. Just inspires people and gives mm. people ideas. It's mm. brilliant. So um, that's a long-winded answer to the <laughs> difference between green media and media as a force for good. And the the offsetting. I mean, are you working with? Um, are you taking on the offsetting yourself uh, or, or do you think there'll come a time, maybe it is now, where partners are starting to say, well, actually, for our bit that we're going to do here, you know, we're going to offset, we're going to uh, offset some stuff, we're going to plant some trees or whatever it might be. That feels like a kind of a natural way forward. Yeah, it, it's, look, it's early days. Hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of different carbon calculators um, taking different things into consideration. And, you know, it's not black and white, yeah. but it's, you know, it's giving you a really, really good steer. Um, I've no doubt that there are some cowboys out there in terms of offsetting. Mm. I'm absolutely sure there are, because you always get that kind of thing in as new industries. Yeah, totally. Um, if, you know, we're, we're members of Ad Green, for example, for our ad production. Yeah. We've signed up to that. So um, ads that are made through um, production companies who are following the Ad Green principles we can automatically get get offset apps offsetting included as part Got of that it. yeah so that's done that's taken care of i'm starting to see media owners and online platforms mm. offering it you know we're starting to work with good loop oh hey, yeah they're great yeah. yeah um and um we are eight uh, mm. two doing amazing things so yeah. you know amy's developed a carbon calculator pixel which you can apply to, to your online plans, brilliant. You know, the, she's always innovating and coming up with, yeah, with yeah, interesting yeah. stuff. Um, Sue is now a, a, at um, We're Eight is offering, it's, it's, an, it's a similar, not the same, but similar kind of thing where um, money goes to charity when you run, run your ads. Mm. And you, um, they're offering the, the ability to offset automatically through them. Yeah. And I think we will see more and more of that um and you know i mean i'm i'm exploring ne next year um for nestle whether we basically look at all of our plans and just do one big offset or if we do it got, we've it. got 10 different businesses if we yeah. do it business by business yeah at, at the end of the day it's up to the, the individual businesses how they want to do it because mm. within our company the money sits with them got it. not with me but all i can do is bring them the ideas bring them the opportunities you know the businesses were really behind ad green when i brought it to them yeah, yeah. i'm very positive about that and um the conversations i've had so far about offsetting the same very positive especially when you explain it's the cost of a daytime spot <laughs> um, it's just a nice way of putting it into perspective yeah. you know. um, yeah. i wonder if it's a real point of difference though and you could see a world where a media owner that is prepared to uh, you know offset what you're going to buy from them um 
kind of makes sense and would be a good good USP, a good good point of difference. Perhaps Amy's onto something. She's usually ahead of the curve uh, on, on, <laughs> on these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, uh, are there, I mean, you talked about um, uh, you talked about Volkswagen there, uh, which is amazing. A- a- anyone else? You know, people like good. A- a- anything else where you look at them and think, you know, they're really getting it right and having, you know, having a really positive impact. More and more people are getting into the space. So, you know, my best two, and, and you know, them. I'm sure there's loads of other companies that haven't crossed my radar, and as a result of this podcast, they might, yes. which will be amazing. <laughs> we have conversations with um, the big broadcasters. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, Sky Ocean Rescue yeah, is an incredible yeah. program that they've been running for a long time. Um, ITV are going to be doing some interesting stuff, really interesting stuff around COP26. Mm-hmm. And you know, that story that broke... Um, recently about the soap operas including yeah, sustainability yeah, yeah. in together. their storylines yeah, and bringing them together, the characters together. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that I think is going to hit home mm. to, to ordinary consumers. Channel 4, obviously, they've got social purpose at the heart of their DNA. And then, you know, I look at Amazon, they've got their climate pledge, yeah. um, you know, a little symbol that appears on, on products that are, are climate friendly. So, you know, that can be nudging customers towards more environmentally friendly products um and then you know on on the business side you know you can't ignore unilever you know they were in the game early they've been doing it consistently it's been led from the top right from the top um from by paul pullman and and, until he left and then uh, the chap who's replaced him and they they live it and um i was doing some research um i mentioned i did did some studying i um there's a great course i actually would recommend to people um cambridge institute for sustainable leadership Mm. and they run a a great online course about business sustainability it's an eight-week course um and i I learned so much from it and as part of it i was looking a lot of unilever um material their annual report is just incredible i mean it's just really inspirational (laughs) You know how they talk about sustainability, you know, and the growth of the brands, and and you know, honestly, I think Nestle is up there. We just historically tend not to talk about it as much, right? Maybe, Um, and that's changing. And I think you know you you will see a lot more because of us talking about the great things that we're doing. Mm. And um, you know, I think there's a debate in all businesses about you know, should we just do it? Or should we do it and talk about it? Yeah, 100%. And I, I yeah. think you, you have to talk about it. Now, the big caveat, obviously, is avoid greenwashing. You know, yeah, the yeah. absolute worst thing you can do is claim that you're doing something in the area of sustainability. Yeah. And you get found out, and then you've got the NGOs all over you, you've got consumers all over you, mm. and you've taken one step forward and three steps back. Yeah, That's yeah. the absolute worst thing that you can do. But if you are genuinely doing good things, which all big companies are, mm. um, the, the, there's lots of really good reasons to, to talk about it, not in a boasting sense, but just letting people know we are doing something about the planet. We're concerned about it. And, you know, to be honest, it's, it makes good business sense. You know, there's yeah, an increasing right. body of evidence that companies that are seen to be green, seem to be sustainable... Um, and it's in Unilever's report, and I'm mm. sure, you know, if it's not in our annual report, it will be. Um, those parts of the business, are, are, consumers are voting with their wallets, yeah. so those parts of the business are prospering better than other parts of the business. Yeah. 
So it's it's a it's a really interesting area that um, just do good things and talk about them. I, I love this this sense of of wanting to inspire people, and of course. Um, your passion is very, very clear on it, but that, that's kind of what talking about it does, I guess, from an SLA point of view. It may inspire other brands. It may inspire smaller businesses who think, God, if Nestle can do this, it must be pretty pretty easy for us as a 30-person direct-to-consumer startup to um, uh, to do it. So I, I I think you've got it absolutely the right way around. It's sort of, you know, make sure you go and do it and then talk about it rather than, um, you know, yeah. the sort of the, 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 the claimed stuff. Um, yeah. We talked a little bit about COP26, um, and that does feel like this point of kind of reckoning. Well, you know, in a in a fairly awful way, it feels like the last chance we've got on a global yeah. scale to, to to get this right. Um, how are, are are Nestle marking it or observing it anyway? Is there anything that's going to be around that? We launched our um, the next phase of our journey, which we're calling Generation Regeneration. Mm-hmm. It's on the website. You know, but it's freely available for people to have a look at if they're interested. Um, which, as it says, is all about regeneration. So, you know, offsetting is not enough. You know, we've got to yeah. actively take care of the planet and and um, give something back. Mm. So, and that's all in the in the generation regeneration plan, which went public about a month or so ago. Mm. Um, so that was kind of our our big thing leading up to COP. Obviously, our sustainability people and. You know, despite this chat, I, I'm a media guy who happens to be really interested in yeah. sustainability. I'm yeah. not a, a sustainability expert, yeah. and it's not officially part of my role within the business. So the the people who it is part of their role will be there. They will be present yeah. um, from right. locally, and, and I'm pretty sure from head office as well. Mm. Um, you know, for me, I'm an optimist. I'm one of life's optimists. I know there's a lot of bad publicity at the moment around people are complaining and you know will China come won't China come etc etc you know let's see what happens let's just hope that something good comes out of it and you know even if it doesn't it will not divert us from our course you know we we took our net zero plan to our shareholders to the AGM in May uh, put to an advisory vote and he got 97% approval wow. from shareholders. <laughs> and there were a few abstentions, and I don't know who voted against. There were not many. <laughs> I mean, those are the kind of figures you see in sort of, let's just say, di- dictatorships. <laughs> um, and this obviously yeah. wasn't a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah. um, it was a free vote. Um, so, you know, our shareholders are 100% behind us, really. And they know we're doing the right thing. The city and the financial world Again, they're expecting companies to act. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's probably, maybe this is a little bit defeatist to say this, and this is just my personal view. It's not Nestle view, but I think people have lost faith in governments mm-hmm. to, to be taking action. Yeah. Um, but I think they have more faith in big companies like Nestle, like Unilever, et cetera, et cetera, to be doing things. And, I, and it's really incumbent on us to do things. And whether government forces to do it or whether we choose to do it we're going to do it anyway yeah so whatever happens as a result of cop 26 we will keep doing the good stuff because honestly there's no other way yeah. there's no other way yeah. and you know if you just say what's well, good good for the planet it's good for people and it's good for business yeah, as well yeah, yeah yeah you know why wouldn't we 
I, I love the point on government. We, um, I had a conversation with a, is uh, a glaciologist from Imperial right. College, a guy called Professor Martin Seeger, and he was saying, you know, he has some sympathy with governments, a very small amount, but you know, they 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 change, they're in and out every four years. Potentially, ministers move around, so you know, someone just gets started with something. They come, they've got a load of other priorities. But he makes exactly the same point, Steve, that people will actually look to to big businesses to to lead it if you don't. Um, if you don't have that with government, I, I asked him at the end as well because he was. It was a very hard-hitting presentation that he gave about rising sea levels, melting yeah. uh, polar ice caps, and I said to him at the end, I said, "What what gives you hope?" And he said, "Young people give me hope. The people yeah. at Imperial College." And I and I wonder if I I asked you the same thing. You talked about being an optimist, and you certainly sound like one. What what is it that gives you? Uh, hope with all of this do you feel like you're in an industry of people who you know want to make a change or you feel lucky to be working for a business like Nestle who are taking this so seriously but what is it that gives you hope the thing that gives me a lot of hope is the collaboration that I see and I'll, I'll give you one example no one can do this on their own they have it's too big yeah you can't yeah, yeah. do it you can have great initiatives brilliant but partnerships work really well as well and um you know, we've got two coffee pod systems. We've got Nespresso and we've got uh, Dolce Gusto. Uh, Jakob's Dow Egbert's deadly rivals. They've got Tassimo. Mm -hmm. We've come together with wow. one recycling scheme called Podback. It's an industry scheme. Uh, any pods, any coffee pods from any system can be recycled through the scheme. And this is an amazing collaboration by deadly business rivals. Yeah. And it's making it, it's doing the right thing. It's making it easy for consumers. They don't have to think, oh, I've got Nespresso pods. Where do I recycle them? Mm. And it's different to Tassimo pods. It's one scheme. Mm. Works in one way. I think when you when you see competitors coming together yeah. Yeah. to make the world a better place, you think we're really onto something here. Yeah. We, we really are. And that's what gives me hope, I think, because... This is only going to go in one direction. All these companies that, that are really, really focusing, it's not just us, but, you know, lots of other companies, they're not suddenly going to go into reverse gear and suddenly say, oh, only fooling, didn't really yeah, mean that, it was just for COP26. That's not going to happen, yeah. you know? It's just going to build and build and build. It feels like the theme, you talked about the ITV thing of all the, the, the different soaps coming together. I mean, there is this real kind of collaboration thing. You know, physically for COP26, we're going to have all these world leaders, governments, representatives in a room. I mean, it feels like mm. it's the only way they're going to crack it. Uh, and a word on the industry, you know, we've got some of the brightest minds in the world here solving problems for uh, advertisers. You know, what an incredible problem to solve on the climate yeah. emergency. Pointed the right way. I think we're certainly capable of doing uh, doing great things. Steve, thank you so much for giving me some time this afternoon. You've you've definitely mm -hmm. inspired me. Just the half an hour I've had with you, okay. I, I love the bit around uh, the business not just wanting you to do something to take action, but expecting you to. I think that's just such a brilliant brilliant mantra. But um, thank you again for giving us some time. We're going to link to all the various things that you've talked about in the show notes as well. The IAB UK podcast. Steve Pollock from Nestle there. That immortal line, which I loved, our leaders don't just want us to act, they expect us to act. Uh, that's pretty powerful. That's one, well, great leadership. I love it. Uh, and delighted with the shout out for Goodloop too, of course, friends of this podcast. 
Now, our three bumper weeks of Upfronts are over, but worry not. If you've missed one, or you just want to watch them all again in some sort of IAB meets Tiger King-esque binge, they're available on demand at iabuk.com forward slash Upfronts. And we've got some first-rate guests coming up on the pod too. Subscribe wherever you get your episodes from to make sure that you don't miss out. For now, though, thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising. 